everyone. This is Myra with Holly Pulley's Everyday Ayurveda and Yoga podcast. We just finished an Ayurvedic chef training with a wonderful group. Learning to prepare food with Ayurvedic principles involves our whole being. Uh, everybody had big growth experiences in their relationship with food and discovered new parts of themselves by going more deeply into Ayurveda with the practices of yoga as support. One of the areas that many of our chef training students never thought much about is how we can use our senses wisely in the kitchen and in life. Our senses of sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. In Ayurveda, we recognize that the improper use of these senses results in disease. And we only use them improperly when we're disconnected from our innermost self or the God of our heart. Now, these days, our ways of living have come to completely disregard the effect of excess stimulation of our senses and how that affects our physical and mental well-being. The excess sound, excess food, excess electronic screens, excess chemical exposure on the skin, and to our sense of smell. Our senses are the gateways into our soul, and what we expose them to has the greatest effect on us. Our tendency is to focus on what our mind is grasping at for pleasure. But this puts our senses in control of our lives, and then we lose our ability to discriminate between what we should or shouldn't eat, or what we should or shouldn't look at or listen to or smell or touch. Most of us have been taught to compartmentalize our lives, and, that, and we've forgotten that we're holistic beings and that we're a part of nature. Everything within us is a web of communication so that doing one thing has an effect on everything else in our system. Sometimes it's a big effect, sometimes it's a small effect. And this was one of the first big steps for me to realize in my studies of Ayurveda and yoga that everything, that my thoughts, my words, and actions were having an effect, that there was some result from that. It's the law of karma, cause and effect. And this is on the outside of us and on the inside. And that's the part that was really new for me. I had studied and practiced yoga for a number of years before really taking up Ayurveda. I was selective about certain things relative to my senses, such as, oh, I had decided not to be around loud noises because I had been to far too many loud concerts in my early life. And I didn't like to watch violent movies because they never appealed to me. But I would do it sometimes because someone else wanted to. And not a great reason. And taste, of course, is a big one because I wanted to eat healthfully from an early age. I just didn't know how. And so I would read things and I would just do things because they were supposed to be good for me. And it created a lot of disturbance and imbalance in me. An example would be that when garlic was touted as being so healthy, I ate tons of garlic. And then I couldn't taste anything else. And so I'd overeat other things as a result. 
Uh, but that also turned into trying to nourish myself emotionally with food. And that's a topic for another time. So what's the basis from which we can recognize and realize how to use our senses wisely? From Ayurveda and yoga, it's the mahagunas, which are the aspects of nature that affect everything in life. And they can help us understand how to use our senses wisely. So they're called sattva, rajas, and tamas in Sanskrit. So let's go over a little definition of each. Sattva is balance and harmony. It's the light of our consciousness. With sattva, we have the capacity for happiness and stability. Many people have forgotten that they can be happy. We forget that life is moment by moment rather than some fixed state of being or some place to get to. And some people never thought they could be happy or stable. So it requires an energetic shift internally, and that allows the space for this to happen, to cultivate more sattva. Rajas is the activity that provides change. It's our imagination, our motivation, and our expression. The right amount of it, of the right kind, will cultivate sattva. But too much activity, even of the right kind, will lead to disturbance and eventually increases tamas. And this is really common today. So many people are walking around exhausted and not allowing joy to fill up their life or even to let it in when it's right in front of them even when they're doing really great things. When we're involved in activities that go against our truth, it takes us toward tamas. And tamas is inertia, it's dullness, the darkness, negativity. It reduces our perception rather than to broaden it. It brings heaviness and delusion and confusion and a narrow view of life. Sounds a bit like depression, doesn't it? It seems to be a common view these days. What happened that this is so prevalent? Tamas is also our sleep, so it's not totally undesirable, but it's the right amount and the right quality of sleep that makes a difference. Sleep gives us the capacity to have rajas, our activity, lead us into sattva, balance and harmony. So many people are walking around exhausted these days. Tamas creeps in. Someone apologized to me in a consultation recently for having eight hours of sleep. She said, I'm sorry, I just need it. And I, of course, agreed that it was best for her and something close to that is what most of us need. But when rajas and tamas are dominant in life, we bounce back and forth between a state of overactivity and exhaustion. People aren't sure how to take care of themselves properly. It's the proper use of our senses that will help us learn how to take care of ourselves. So we want to use rajas to move out of tamas towards sattva. In other words, use our activity to move out of those lower vibration places or that negativity toward balance and harmony and toward feeling well 
and being able to be of service to others. And this means actions of the right kind and the right amounts. And that's what's going to have us feel the best mentally and physically. And so the rajas I'm talking about is our thoughts, words, and actions. The Vedas, which gave us yoga and Ayurveda, guide us here. The teachings of yoga are helpful tools, and so are many other spiritual traditions. Practicing ahimsa, nonviolence in our thought, word, and actions, means being considerate, kind, and respectful, no matter what. Being kind even when we don't want to. This is a practice for most of us. Practicing meditation, even for five minutes a day, to cultivate an inner connection with our higher self. This is the kind of activity or rajas that can take us towards sattva. All of the mahagunas, tamas, rajas, and sattva are important and necessary for the whole of nature, including us. And they need to be in proper amounts in the mind and body to have the appropriate flow of energy, to have good emotional health and vibrant physical health, and to be able to experience peace and joy. We can have this when we feel we're able to be of service in life and enjoy ourselves doing it. Our dharma then is clear to ourselves. True holistic care starts by reducing and eliminating the activities that negatively affect our senses. Our willingness to properly utilize the senses is directly related to our connection to the God of our heart or our connection to our higher self. The more we cultivate sattva and use rajas to bring us towards sattva, the more willing we are to care for ourselves by caring for our senses and our sense organs. And this is also cultivated through the things that we do that connect us to nature. This brings up that notion of self-responsibility, meaning we can take care of our sense organs to some degree and not take care of the senses themselves. So it works on both levels. So now that we understand the power of the Mahagunas and cultivating sattva, let's talk about some measures to take care of the senses. So our sense of sight. It's important to gaze at the sweetness and the beauty in others and in all of life. So use your sight to see the divine in everyone and everything. Look for that. Soften your eyes. Soften the gaze. And you'll see. You'll be able to see much more than skimming across the surface. Keeping the doshas calm to keep the mind calm. Putting a little cool water on your eyelids after you're eating is helpful. A drop of ghee or castor oil in each eye at night helps to take care of the eyes and your eyesight. And there are other herbal eye washes and treatments for the eyes as well. And then we offer Netrabasti for many of our Panchakarma clients. It uses ghee or medicated ghee sometimes in the eyes to clear toxins that have developed there. You can also do simple eye exercises by moving the eyes in all directions for balance and strength. And another really fun thing is something called kajal, which is the soot from ghee and camphor 
and it can be used as an eyeliner on men and women. Uh, and it's particularly useful for reducing the glare and it lubricates the eyes. Really, really fun. And then rose water uh, as an eye wash or cucumber slices on the eyelids. Those are all things that are helpful. Another practice called chotak, which is candle gazing. And this helps to cleanse the eyes and our system because it, we gaze at the candle until tears come forth. And then, of course, a good cry can always help out too. So pitta governs the eyesight, pitta being the fire element primarily. Things that aggravate eyesight are the same as those that push pitta out of balance. And it, that's things like alcohol, caffeine, hot spicy foods, fermented foods, refined sugar, and meat. Think about how they affect your view of the world mentally. They heat you up inside, and then they leave you feeling a bit heavy and hollow. They can also distort our senses with excess stimulation and toxins. Our sense of sound. It's important to listen to things that are uplifting and bring a sense of peace. If you're in a conversation, take responsibility for yourself and change the topic or walk away if a conversation is going down in vibration. Karnapurna is a treatment for the ears using sesame oil typically, or it could be a medicated oil. And you fill the ear canal for five to 20 minutes. Very nice for calming down the mind as well as for the ears and our sense of hearing. You can also put one or two drops of sesame oil into the ear each evening. And there are also special herbal formulas for ear problems. But if you're experiencing that kind of thing, it's best to work directly with an Ayurvedic practitioner to find the right formula for you. Another great practice, though, is to cover the ears and the top of the head when you're sleeping. This is really going to help your sleep become more peaceful and easy. And it's especially good if you're a light sleeper or you have excess vata. So you can wear a little cap, but you can also just put a shawl or a towel over the top of the head, covering the ears, and also down on the neck and tuck it in at the neck. Our sense of smell. Using it, even when it's unpleasant, to come to acceptance in life, to practice love and neutrality. I can always remember this when I was teaching in the university. I had a student who came from another country and he had very strong body odor that was actually disturbing everybody in the class, including myself. And we had to learn to come to some acceptance and then eventually somebody talked to him and he started to learn how to do some things differently. But we needed to just love and care for him, even if we didn't like the way he smelled. It's important to avoid toxic environments as much as possible. The practice of jalaneti is really great for cleaning and clearing the sinuses and helps our sense of smell by cleaning the hairs and the nose. And then the use of an herbal oil or ghee or sometimes coconut or sesame oil in the sinuses, that's helpful and particularly in dry environments. Which one of those is used should be adjusted for the individual, the time of year and the environment you're in. 
check with a practitioner for the best approach for you. And then there are more extensive practices from Panchakarma as well. The sense of smell is related to the first chakra, the Muladhara chakra, and our sense of security and our sense of belonging. So keeping the doshas calm, particularly vata, and energetic practices such as our intuitive energy practice, these, these will help also in terms of improving your sense of smell. Sometimes people lose their sense of smell and it can come back. Pranayama practices on a regular basis are also helpful. And I wanted to mention here aromatherapy. It's a great tool for utilizing the senses for improving mental and physical health. The essential oils are made from plants, specific plants, and the plants are communicating with us through their consciousness And that's carried in the oils when they're properly prepared. And so essential oils can be used in blends. They can actually be cooked in food or breathed directly. When using them in blends, we look at the qualities. In Ayurveda, this is called the Gurvadi Gunas, which is how we make the the proper blends that are balanced. The aromatherapy industry looks at the qualities primarily by the fragrance and the weight. So it's a little bit different. The essential oils are incredibly powerful substances. In general, they shouldn't be used directly on the skin. In a blend or aromatically is what's best. And they can also be used in tiny quantities as spice oils. They can be used in the bath, a diffuser, or just put some on the palm and breathe it in. Our sense of taste is where most of us need to practice moderation in quantity and quality. And we also need to learn to practice contentment and approach this with a calm mind. So we have to turn away from the impulses of the mind and our tongue. A nice practice for the tongue is first thing in the morning before swallowing even, if you rinse your mouth with warm water to release any bacteria that's accumulated while you're sleeping. And then gargle some warm water to break up any accumulated mucus, any excess kapha. Gargling warm water throughout the day is helpful for some people too. If you give your mouth a little bit of a rinse after eating with a little bit of warm water, this is also helpful to allow the taste buds the opportunity to do their job and guide you well. And then you want to be attentive to what comes out of your mouth. Speak only when it will be sweet and necessary and truthful to the best of your knowledge. The sense of touch. Practicing yoga in its main tenet of ahimsa or non-violence, with everything that you touch, being sure it's considerate, sweet, and gentle. So for example, this would apply even in how you treat the cookware in the kitchen, Rather than touching and handling things with a rushed, distracted, or unfocused attitude, better to be kind and gentle. Practice consciousness rather than perpetuating unconsciousness. Because that unconsciousness is really self-centered. Ayurveda and yoga are based in the law of karma, cause and effect. Some people get confused about this and think of it as punishment. It works in both directions, positive and negative. 
cause and effect is also the basis of holistic living since everything is connected. Living in harmony with nature is what allows us to have confidence and utilize the tools that we learn to our full capacity. We need to reprogram ourselves to think and to feel, most importantly, the whole system of our body, mind, and spirit. And then we can apply it in our community and in our country and with the whole of humanity. And the care of our senses is a big part of this. So ongoing joy or passing pleasures. That's the choice we need to make moment by moment in life. It's truly the process of maturing into our true selves. Experience freedom or suffering from the sticky attachments? Are your senses being used to move you toward your higher self or away from it? Are you using your senses or are they using you? The holistic approach starts with understanding the goals of life and cultivating sattva through right action and taking direct action to nourish and calm the senses. Life is a continual sensory experience. A little quote from the Kata Upanishad, one of the texts of yoga. The divine is revealed to us in the heart made pure by restraint of the senses and meditation. Focused consciousness is the result of using our senses wisely. So learn to be self-controlled rather than sense-controlled. Indulging in sense pleasures and glorifying them only creates more attachment and more suffering. Then I believe my mind and senses and what they say they need to be happy. And when that happens, I forget all creation is there for me. I really limit myself. Reading a small amount of something spiritually inspiring and contemplating how it applies in your life on a daily basis will help to create a shift towards sattva. And it ultimately gives you the opportunity to make better choices. Become willing to break the denial and attachment that you may carry. Using a wellness journal to record what you're really doing in life and how you're feeling, it's helpful in clearing the path for next steps. And we have a template for one on our blog at halepule.com. The mind and the ego need to be used consciously for receiving information and expression. Otherwise, we create low consciousness and high suffering. Higher consciousness, less suffering. Slow down and bring consciousness to your choices to enjoy this very moment. Everything we do matters. What we believe drives our thoughts and then our actions. We can't control what comes up, but we can most certainly learn to better use our senses and respond in ways that move us towards sattva. Thanks for listening. As a reminder, we offer trainings and consultations that can guide you along your journey to health. If you're ready to take the next step, visit halipule.com. That's H-A-L-E-P-U-L-E dot com.
For inspiration and to learn more about what we do, follow us on Instagram and Facebook. In Ayurveda, we understand that we each have a unique constitution. Halipuli's tridoshic approach is ideal for families and supports multiple constitutions. You can cultivate sattva in cooking, knowing that you're making meals that support everyone's constitution. Subtle adjustments may be required, but it doesn't need to be a stress point. To learn our tridoshic approach to create nourishing meals, Join simple Ayurvedic cooking with Halipuli. The recipes are easy, delicious, and will leave you feeling energized. And the link to join is in our show notes.